0: Good evening, dummies. This is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me, episode 208, August 23rd, Monday, 7:55 p.m. I hope you had a great Monday. I hope you had a good weekend. I had the anniversary, celebrating it with the love of my wife, my queen, my iconic sister, my I don't know, what else? MILF? Yeah, we don't have any grandkids yet. She's definitely a MILF. We'll be a Gilf. I. Love my wife. I love my kids. I'm not afraid to say it. I, I am happy. And, uh, for the first time in a long, long time, I am truly content with just about everything. And that means that something's going to screw it up. And then of course, Joe Biden does what he did in Afghanistan. And that's kind of set a sour taste in my mouth. I'm going to go over it with you tonight on Don't Unfriend Me, but through a different lens, we're going to talk about Kamala Harris. And this is going to be an interesting show. You can lose a bundle by switching to progressive. And is she progressive? We know she smiles a lot. We know she can't really articulate a sentence. We know she's not very strong on the debate stage. Policy is not her strength. Also, we're going into all of it tonight. I've got some videos to show you. But first, we do what we always do on Don't Unfriend Me. We start off with a little bit of humor. Why are people acting like Kamala Harris is the first woman to obtain such a high-ranking position in the U.S. government? Have we all forgotten that Monica Lewinsky was directly under Bill Clinton? Recorded from an undisclosed location, always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax, don't unfriend me starts right now. We're going to have to tell everybody we are live, in case you didn't know. And I've been doing that lately. It is a fun thing to do. Get all the comments going on. And then at the end of the show, I answer a few questions. Then I'll cut the episode down and I'll post it back for you. So if you didn't catch all of this, don't worry. It will be on an episode on all my websites. You can find those websites here. We have a new watermark down below. And I've changed all my tags. It's now at Don't Unfriend Me Show. Except for the twatters. Because that is the D.U.M. show. Because somehow I can't actually use that many characters because Twitter is all about throttling. Not the Taliban, mind you. That's not really a big deal. Or Chinese nationals or other terrorists around the world. But Donald Trump and myself, we he doesn't have an account and I have to throttle my letters. I'm one letter short for Don't Unfriend Me show. So it is the D.U.M. show over on the Twitter. You can also find me on Rumble now. People were complaining and saying, Matt, I want to be on Rumble because I don't want to go to YouTube. Well, from now on, all my shows will be on Rumble. We are growing and we are prospering, and that is because of you. So thank you. Find me here, there, and a little bit everywhere. What is Don't Unfriend Me? We are a political show, current events. We talk about celebrity, sports, music, just about whatever. We have an after show that you can participate in. And if you ever want to leave a comment, that's fine down below. We have two types of people here. We have the dum-dums. They're a special kind of sucker led by Dusty Dinkelman, and they're the people who have no desire to learn anything. They're entrenched. They watch either CNN or Fox all damn day, and the only opinion is the surface-level dwellings and scratchings of the mass media. There's about seven or eight of those, and I have banned them from my site because it's not that I'm afraid of conversation. It's just that I'm tired of banging my head against the wall. So don't be a dummy, or you will go bye-bye. However, we also have the dummies which are the don't unfriend me's barstool sports has their stoolies we have our dummies and if you've watched for one minute or you've watched all 208 episodes after tonight you are a dummy last but not least the easiest thing to remember don't me.com if you don't want to go to youtube and all of that other stuff you can go to don't and see my entire catalog and my blogs and posts and please do me a favor like share and subscribe right here let's get into the show thank you very much and here we are You can lose a bundle by switching to progressive. Now, Kamala Harris, I'm not going to get into her politics right away. We're going to watch a few videos. And there are a lot of things that people say about Kamala Harris. She's a bad vice president, is probably the first and foremost. Second, she's waiting in the wings to take over Joe Biden's presidency. And third, she drives us absolutely crazy. I'm going to tell you why she drives you crazy tonight. And I'm not a doctor, but I did sleep at a Holiday Inn Express. First, but not last and not least, I'll show you the first video. She was coming off the tarmac, and this was the first major interview after the Afghanistan kafukul happened, where we decided to leave almost 50,000 Americans and American supporters in Kabul as it was taken over by Taliban. As always, Kamala Harris, when she doesn't have anything important to say or she's trying to stall or filler, she starts to laugh, and I want you to listen carefully over the jet turbines what she says. What's your response to a of Americans? Hold on, hold on. Slow down, everybody. <laughs> um, I want to talk about two things. First, Afghanistan. We couldn't have a higher priority right now. And in particular, our priority is making sure that we safely evacuate American citizens, Afghans who work with us, Afghans at risk, including women and children. And that is one of our highest, if not the highest priority right now. They're really showing themselves to do really well. Come on, man. Come on, Corn Pop. It's a high priority until it wasn't a high priority less than five days ago as you abandoned everybody in that city. But now it's a high priority. Here's the problem, and this is what people are saying, is why are you laughing? What is up with the manacle laughter? Why can't you say something and just realize that it might be time to be serious so she starts cracking up and then okay everybody okay everybody now it's time to listen to miss kamala it's hard to take her seriously and i'll tell you why you despise her so much and most of you have no idea who she was up until a few years ago but now she is ever present in our lives and i will tell you you've known her for much longer than that trust me i will get to that point at the end of the show but to really make you understand why it's nails on a chalkboard when Kamala laughs, let me show you a compilation video, nothing except Kamala laughing inappropriately at just about everything. I warn you, this is cringe, and if I start losing viewers, I'm still not going to stop it. Enjoy. What's your response to That's not it. What's your response to That's our... not it. Don't you love it when it happens? Mistakes, folks. Poor hubby. Poor hubby. No. <laughs> Listen, this better be getting some angry faces or something or likes or hearts or come on, this took a lot of work. She knows how to sell right there, okay. Um, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> she's still got a sense of humor. <laughs> right? <No. laughs> and I, I think in, in New Hampshire, you're, you're going swing. okay Okay. so joining us now folks i'm growing as a podcaster because when that tarp came over i was going to be like well there's another reason to put a bag over her head i didn't say it i'm growing and i know i just said it in expose right now but I had to to show you how much I've grown as a human being. Anyway, I know. Just another fifty one seconds of Kamala laughing manically. From New York. <laughs> okay. Now have because you'll you'll need some help. Maybe maybe you can have maybe you can have. I look fantastic. No, ma- maybe maybe. Uh, I'll be honest with you. At the end of it, I found myself smiling. But here's the problem is that normally what we would find endearing when someone can't stop laughing is that you can see when it's fake and you can see when it's real. And it's really difficult to discern which one it is. So let's get into Kamala Harris. Who is she? What is she about? Why is Kamala Harris considered a progressive, not only a progressive, but the most progressive senator, now vice president in politics? And to answer the question, you first have to understand what a progressive truly is. And what they're not. They want people to believe they're a certain thing, but truly this is what they are. Many people believe, though, as self proclaimed progressive politicians hope they will see them this one way, that the term has some vague association with warm and fuzz notions of progress and innovation. It doesn't. In the late part of the 1800s, the progressive movement was formed around the idea that the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights were obsolete, no longer sufficient foundations for the form of centrally planned economics. And the government argued that there was an inevitable future, and which they kind of preferred, but nobody wanted, at least from their perspective. To achieve their goal, they believed they had to progress beyond the restrictions and limitations placed on the power of the federal government by the U.S. Constitution, and then flip the relationship from a government that serves at the will of the people to one that people served the government for their common good. With the arrival of the 1900s, World War I prohibition, the Great Depression, the eugenics movement, the Holocaust, and World War II, and all the damage left in the wake of progressive policies in Western Europe and the U.S., the progressive movement was discredited and its few remaining adherents took shelter in academic institutions, undertook an effort to rehabilitate their image by revising history and creating a false narrative of who was responsible for their own policies and actions. With a generation of those who lived through and bore witness to the events of the 1920s through 1940s now largely passed, a younger generation fed a steady diet of progressive propaganda and revisionist history in public schools and colleges. This is embrace the progressive cause, believing it represents progress. Kamala Harris is a progressive because like the founders of the movement 140 to 150 years ago, she supports proposals and programs that disregard the limitations of government, power set forth in the U.S. Constitution, and, the sub, and it subverts the individual rights established in the Bill of Rights to the will of the government, and that establishes and maintains and expands the fourth and illegitimate branch of government, the federal bureaucracy. And with that federal bureaucracy, progressives believe that they reign over the three legitimate branches and it dissolves the representative republic serving at the will of the people. The U.S. was founded and that was replaced with this ideology by the progressives of an authoritarian federal system that controls every aspect of society, including the details of citizens' daily lives. Consistency in belief and the outlook is very important for a political candidate, but the standard is very hard to apply today. The world has become far more complex, and opinions on concepts evolve much quicker than ever before. Political candidates often change opinion if better information becomes available, but at the time, such changes should be an evolution, and the ability to change may be more important than ever having a candidate who is the most knowledgeable. Kamala Harris is viewed by many as a person not maintaining her own identity and changing it for self-benefit others see her for not having empathy for others and feel these are not the hallmarks of a candidate they would have chosen claiming an identity and knowing nothing of depth about is really another worrisome sign of her features. Leaning in such a way ensures superficial judgment at best and inaccurate judgments in the long run. Kamala Harris has a background, which she at times has presented as African-American, and at other times she presents herself as Indian-American. It is understandable, as her father was Jamaican and her mother from southern India, she is a child of highly educated parents, but both her parents held doctorate degrees. From what is known, her mother intended on returning to India after completing her studies, but instead, life had another plan for her, and she was married, had children in the U.S., and remained there. Her parents separated when Kamala Harris was five and divorced when she was seven. Kamala Harris has stated, had they been a little older, a little more emotionally mature, maybe the marriage could have survived, but they were so young. My father was my mother's first boyfriend. Well, in 1963, this was not only the norm for someone coming from India, it would have been expected. Kamala Harris, however, when asked if she ever smoked marijuana, stated half my family's from Jamaica. Are you kidding me? Well, better than Bill Clinton's answer that he didn't ex- and inhale. Her father would have a response for this. My dear departed grandmothers, whose extraordinary legacy I described in a recent essay on the website as, well, my deceased parents must be turning in their grave right now to see their family's name, reputation, and proud Jamaican identity being connected in any way, jokingly or not with the fraudulent stereotype of a pot-smoking joy seeker and in the pursuit of identity politics. He has since delinked himself from this. What seems clear is that her identity is very much her own and should not be linked in any real sense outside of the United States. Kamala Harris is a prosecutor, assisted in incarcerating minorities, and her legacy shows hardly anything groundbreaking. And the push for her defense of elevating her stature in American society, Kamala Harris has done just that. Actually, three days into her tenure as California's first Indian-American attorney general, she backed a decision to deny Mr. Oberes, a sick person of Indian origin, appeal for being denied a correction officer job because he refused to cut his beard, which as sick by, by matter of faith, is not negotiable. Her campaign would state that she had her hands tied and was obligated to defend state clients. Many American Sikhs remain unconvinced by this. On the issue of Kashmir, Kamala Harris stated, we have to remind Kashmir's that they are not alone in the world. We are keeping track of the situation. There is no need to intervene in the situ- if the situation demands. India is a sovereign nation, and no nation has the right or real ability to intervene in the internal matters of India. She has not made similar comments about pro-Pakistan lobbies or about the human rights situations for Hindu or Sikh minorities in Pakistan, and at the same time, she has not brought about the situation in Tibet or about Muslim Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Of course, the human rights situation, if it to be truly addressed, would also have to factor in the invasion of Iraq in 2003. Under the false pretext and narratives of weapons of mass destruction and the later Arab Spring, which ended any possibility of secular governments in the Middle East for the foreseeable future. The history of Kashmir is a simple matter, as it, it was a simpler matter, as it was invaded by Pakistan in 1947 and joined the Indian Union as a result. It is not a hard concept to understand if you study the history of the region. Kamala Harris, of course, has attributes of great magnitude when it comes to rising in the U.S. political system. However, there is cause for concern, as it is apparent her knowledge about foreign affairs is not what many hoped for. Her politics, while leaning very far left, may indeed change to embrace the idea of helping minorities in the USA, as now she will not be constrained by representing a state and instead can help formulate national policy, yet she's done absolutely nothing thus far. Her views on India may also change on the rise of China, no longer being viewed under the Nixon-Kissinger policy, which was designed to split the communist world and support China to have access to world markets and to become prosperous. Kamala Harris may indeed prove that she is up to the task and that which seems to be indicative of voting learning politics was simply for the impetuous to have a chance to make change which is its benevolent intent. Though her past record shows a leaning to doing more to make her career than any dedication to benevolent policies, judging the wind is a difficult task and sailing into the unknown a difficult situation to be in. Yet acceptance of both is necessary at the time for an end result of maybe landing at a harbor of good fortune, if not by accident. But why is she so disliked amongst both parties? Because she truly is, if you dive into the results. As of August 17, 45% of registered voters had a favorable opinion of Harris, and 49% had an unfavorable opinion. Her favorability has been on decline, not since vice presidency, but even since she announced she was running for the presidency. America didn't want her, and America still doesn't. She finished with 1% of the overall Democrat vote, and voters preferred crazy Bernie and I never let a social justice trope go to waste Pete Buttigieg. Now, I'm not going to go into the sexual comments and horrendous way in which people talk about her. I wasn't there. I do not know. And I find it sexist when people focus on the trivial and not the paramount. It doesn't matter if she used her feminine charm to gain power. We all sell ourselves in different ways, whether it be our integrity our principles or even our souls in order to excel in this world we all compromise our authentic selves at the very least which is why this show is so refreshing for me it's almost cathartic there is so much bad in her policies and disposition that the nuance is almost arbitrary at best and better yet left to the morally indignant but there is a viable reason to focus on her manacle laughter and no it isn't sexism I'm not talking about abundant happiness or jovial disposition. The real question is, why does she do it? And is it too often? It may not be too often, but inappropriately timed, absolutely. Any trained interrogator knows that nervous laughter of her type is generally preparation for a lie. She sometimes deploys it to say, oh, how ridiculous, thinking it makes her coming denial sound more genuine. It does not to anyone trained. Other times, she uses it to buy a moment of time to think. When she is buying time, you hear the laugh and see her head rise a bit, breaking eye contact. Then she doesn't reestablish eye contact while she hones and scams for a second. She starts her statement and reestablishes eye contact after her statement is developed. These are marks of someone making it up as she goes along. This type of behavior has a name, and it's called paradoxical laughter. It's an exaggerated expression of humor, which is unwarranted by external events. It may be uncontrollable laughter, which may be recognized and is inappropriate by the person involved. It's associated with altered mental states or mental illness, such as mania, hypomania, schizophrenia, and other causes. Paradoxical laughter is indicative of an unstable mood, often caused by the pseudo-Bulbar effect which can quickly change to anger and back again on minor external cues. This type of laughter can also occur at times when the fight-or-flight response may otherwise be evoked. Now, we hear all the time that candidates are not of sound state, mind, and body. It questions their capability to lead and maintain the office they aspire to hold, but there is little to no evidence of this often, and we lack the breadth of knowledge into candidates' personal affairs to know the entire truth. But the truth is, we have seen this in the past. Kennedy and his back, habitual habit of opiates and the inability to stand most days. Reagan with his deteriorating mind and the inability to recall even the simplest of tasks at the end of his term. This is nothing new. But we have in the modern day a plethora of concurrent and also a plethora of evidence that isn't circumstantial but often telling. Even more telling than personal admission, but from past performance, especially during high moments of stress and anxiety. You can look back to the debates, the interviews, the Kavanaugh hearings, the bar testimony, and the list goes on. Kamala Harris is a mantis waiting in the wings. She has taken stabs at Biden and often disagreeing with him behind closed doors, and more importantly, on the stage. She reminds me of Scar, waiting for the most opportune moment to drop Mufasa into the stampeding herd. Kamala is not a fool. She is completely useless and unable to even do the most simplest of tasks. Literally mirror Trump's policies and pawn them off as her own is all she had to do. She could have continued the border and remained with the Trump's legacy and simply renamed it to whatever she wanted. She could have put a coat of paint on it and had guaranteed success. She mucked up after the Afghanistan presser on the tarmac, quite literally the easiest thing to get out of a troubling spot because jet turbines are only yards away. If you get a tough question, all she had to say is, I'm sorry, folks, I'll talk to you back on the plane. I can't hear you. But before one word was uttered, she fumbled the ball, with all of the defenders running the opposite way. Do you think her envoy in China will do any better? The starch and tight-lipped Chinese will simply stall her to death. They will never take her seriously enough, because she doesn't take herself seriously. Look at those who have been successful in Chinese negotiations. John Kerry, Jimmy Carter, Nixon, Mike Pompeo. Can you even create a better list for diamond-producing sphincters after the proper placement of coal is in their posteriors? Never has a list of tight asses ever been assembled so eloquently. It comes down to this. Kamala Harris lost her bid to the presidency not because she is black, Or a woman. In fact, those actually propelled her to the front. She couldn't fundraise, and nobody would give her a nickel. The truth is, no amount of womanhood or ethnicity could get past the fact that nobody likes her. She has seen, and we have seen her many times before. The Biden ticket didn't win the election, the Trump ticket won it for them. America simply hated Trump more than Biden and Kamala. And of course, we can talk about the 50 million votes. That we're all mailed out, but we don't have to have that conversation quite yet. We've done it ad nauseum. But doesn't this somehow sound familiar? As much as America dislikes Kamala Harris and her phony display of part high school cheerleader and white collar switchblade hooligan, they even despised another person more with their peach blush skin doppelganger, her other persona. The real reason is simple, and it amazed me that nobody has made the correlation before. Kamala Harris is the African-American Hillary Rodham Clinton. The major difference is is that we don't need to see her steal government secrets, bribe and coerce her way into politics, leave Americans for dead, fail to really care about women's rights, and literally bury her own mother if it meant another donation to her foundation. Because we know full well that Kamala would do all of these things as well, with a manacle laugh. And just as bone-shrieking as her mentor, HRC but with the inability to raise a single dollar for her own cause, unlike Hillary. And that is why Kamala Harris will never be president. Well, until she bites Biden's head off and devours his body. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. I hope that opened up your eyes a little bit about why America is not a big fan of Kamala Harris. If you would like to see more of Don't Unfriend Me, the only way you can do that is to like, share, and subscribe here. You'll be notified on YouTube, on Facebook when you subscribe, like, share, follow. When you do that, you'll receive when I go live or when I post a new post, whether it be a meme or whether it be an article or anything else. Please do me a favor and do that now if you have not. Otherwise, I will go out like I always do every night. Veteran Crisis Hotline, one 800 273 8255-PRESS-1. VCL is an amazing organization. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It's far too many. When we get around the holidays, it bumps up to 25. With the things in Afghanistan going on, veterans are feeling it more than ever. They need your help. Please reach out to a vet. Make that phone call. If you haven't talked to a veteran, whether it be a mom, dad, brother, sister, or just a friend, pick up the phone and call. If you can't do it, reach out to me. I will call with you. And if that doesn't work, you can go to my website on com click on the VCL link in the top right-hand corner. You'll be connected free of charge via webcam or your phone if you're connected to your computer. And if you are a civilian, they will also not turn you away. You don't have to be a veteran. Folks, I appreciate you sticking by. There's the website. That's the wrong one, but that's okay if you wanted to see it. I will be back tomorrow for episode 209. I appreciate everything you do. Thank you for sticking around. Dummies who are on live, don't leave. I will answer all those questions. I have quite the list. Thank you again for watching, and I will see you tomorrow, and I'll be back for more After Show in just a second. Good night.